The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York, 10 a.m. in London, and here is your top five at five. Congress agreeing to a $900 billion COVID relief bill. We'll show you where the money is going. Europeans not going anywhere. As much of the U.K. goes into lockdown and other countries ban travel as a new strain of coronavirus hits. Travel stocks are plunging. Back here in the U.S., a CDC panel giving new guidance on who should be next in line for the COVID vaccines. Bitcoin clawing its way toward 25,000. And now Elon Musk hinting he might want in on the action with advice from another billionaire. Plus, only three and a half trading days this week, but a big list of impacts or events that could impact your money. Will it be naughty or will it be nice? We'll get you ready for it all. It is Monday, December 21st, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us here on what will be a busy holiday-shortened week. And here is a glance at your Monday money. Futures, they are down in a big way right now. Dow futures off 300 points, and NASDAQ futures off about the same on a percentage basis. This could be a volatile shortened week. Remember, Thursday is a half day of trading. Equities close at 1. Now, overall, it's been, so far, a great month for stocks. The Russell 2000 coming off its best month ever. It is up another 8% so far in December. However, we are seeing futures down sizably right now. Let's also eyeball the hottest of the hot asset classes, and that is, of course, the cryptos. We are seeing Bitcoin move slightly higher right now once again. The big moves, though, are in Europe. Many stocks there are being slammed, the indexes as well. All this comes as London and other parts of Southeast England are in a tough new lockdown. As a new COVID mutation appears in the UK, this mutation is believed to be up to 70% more transmissible than the original SARS-CoV-1, though right now it is not believed to be more dangerous or virulent. France, Germany, Italy, Ireland, the Netherlands, Canada, and Israel are now all barring flights to the UK. Travel stocks are down sharply, as you can see. International Consolidated Air off 9%. Carnival down almost 9% as well. Some of the other names, look at that. Uh, the parent company of Lufthansa is down 4% as well. We will have a live report from London in a few minutes on this big news story. But first, let's get now to your other big story to start your Monday morning. And that is our Congress agreeing to a $900 billion COVID relief bill. Bertha Coombs joining us now this morning with the details on that. Bertha, good morning. Good morning, Brian. That's right. After months of failed negotiations, there is now an agreement. Late last night, Congress passed and President Trump signed a stopgap funding measure that will keep the government funded 
through today. That will give Congress the time it needs to vote on the COVID relief deal. Here's what we know about what the bill includes. Direct payments of $600 to most adults and $600 per child. A $300 federal unemployment supplement funding for the distribution of COVID vaccines. $284 billion into paycheck protection programs, small business loans, $20 billion to small business grants. $45 $45 billion for transportation, including $15 billion for airline payroll assistance. $15 billion as well to live event venues. $25 billion into rental assistance amid the legislation uh, extends a federal eviction moratorium. Brian, there's also an extension for uh, providers, for doctors to be able to count more of their losses towards those grants that they may have taken earlier this year, which for a lot of providers is going to be a big deal. But at least the deal getting done. Not everybody, of course, will be happy. And we'll get more a bit later on in the program. Bertha Coombs, we'll see you in a few minutes as well. Thank you very much. And we will have much more on that stimulus deal, of course, throughout the hour here on Worldwide Exchange, including a live report from D.C. All right, now to your big three things ahead in this holiday upcoming shortened week. Of course, there is no trading on Friday. Merry Christmas. But there's a lot to do before then. Today, Tesla will join the S&P 500. It is the largest addition ever to the index. Most of the impact has likely already been priced in, but this is kind of like adding a bowling ball to a bowl of candy. Tuesday and Wednesday, both new and existing home sales data is out, and the FHFA home price index on Wednesday out as well. So I guess that's two things, but we're going to find out if things in housing remain red hot as everybody apparently flees the big cities and panic buys homes. Fun fact. Home prices are now up nationally on average 37 straight quarters. And the third quarter was the biggest quarter over quarter home price jump in recorded American history. Wow. Rounding thing out, got to lay out Thursday. Stocks closing at 1 p.m. Eastern time, a half day heading into Christmas. Cheers. All right, let's talk now markets, though, and your money. Joining us is Daniel Tenengauser, BNY Mellon, head of markets strategy, Daniel, thank you very much for joining us on this Monday. The futures are down 300. European markets are being hit. This new COVID strain kind of putting everybody back on their heels. What's your take? Greg, thanks, uh, Brian, for having me. And uh, I think think the the, the key theme to keep in mind is that the first couple weeks of December are always very, very important, where people actually lay out their views for the entire year following year that's 2021 uh, as we had as we hit the last two weeks of the year things start getting a little bit wobbly and then the news start to prevail and have an impact on market dynamics and this is exactly what we're seeing now with uh, with mobility now taking uh, uh, the headlines uh, the story out of the UK really being very important and even the budget uh, passing in the US clearly not having an impact on markets. Yeah, and I think the key is going to be sort of just how dangerous and and also susceptible to the vaccines this new strain might be. I actually reached out to a virologist, friend of mine, contact of mine. He said it looks doesn't look any more dangerous, just more transmissible, and the vaccines are likely to work. Again, what one one PhD's opinion, we're gonna have to wait and see. But if this new lockdown, Daniel, extends to more parts of Europe, well, first off, tell us if you think it will, but if it does. What might that mean for equity markets as we round out the year? 
Correct. So one of the things to keep in mind, so for, first of all, it's, it's very likely it will. Um, and the reason is because, again, uh, we, you don't want that specific strain to come into your country. You, you don't have the vaccines yet. Uh, the risk is that, again, because it's 70 percent, as you mentioned before in the program, uh, 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 that rate is very high and you really are worried about overcapacity in your health system. So obviously you would rather cautious, be cautious, overcautious here and stop every type of mobility. Now, keeping that in mind, Europe has been a fairly popular trade in the first couple of weeks of the year. And this is exactly what I mentioned before, in the sense that you, you did have investors buying into a long euro and a long Europe, particularly the UK. So we've seen actually a very strong desire of investors to buy UK equities, gilts, uh, heading into uh, the weekend. And as a result, with the news coming across, people tend to unwind those positions. So a lot of it is is positioning towards year end rather than having a strong long-term view. Well, do you think this is going to derail the global, it's not just the U.S., Daniel, the global rally in equities that we have seen? Will this new strain, these new lockdowns, will that derail that? Well, I, I, I think I think it, it has the potential for a, a fairly uh, a reasonable adjustment between now and year end uh, because of the positioning that we saw over the past couple of weeks. So I do I, I do agree that there is there is reason for more meaningful volatility in markets over the next couple of weeks. And again, just to give you an example, uh, the pound move over the past few hours, uh, you know, it's at least one and a half to two standard deviation move. So it was a very significant move. Uh, we are prone to see higher and larger standard deviations uh, behavior around those couple of weeks because of positioning yeah. and because of what's happening. Yeah, I think the key is going to be whether or not there is proof that the vaccines we have and that are coming do work on this new strain. But right now, the market's a little nervous. Dow futures off 350. Daniel Tenengauser, thank you very much for joining us, Daniel. Thank Appreciate you. that. Have a good holiday. See you in the new year. You too. Bye. All right, when we come back, more on this big and developing story, a new coronavirus strain in the UK, what we know, what we don't. Dow futures off 350. We're going to head to break with some of the early morning Monday movers, and we are back in two minutes. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, good morning and welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Stock futures, they are down sizably. Dow futures off more than 1% right now, 370 points. It is this new concern about a new strain of the coronavirus hitting the UK and popping up other parts of Europe that have the markets on high alert. NASDAQ futures off just about seven-tenths of one percent. By the way, the European markets are being hit hard, and many travel stocks there are down anywhere to five to ten percent. Well, really, there are two different developing stories out of the UK this morning. Number one, that new COVID strain leading to stricter lockdowns and travel bans, effectively the UK canceling Christmas. There's no real other way to say it. And then there is still no resolution on the Brexit trade talks with a deadline, another one, getting very close. Jeff Cutmore joining us now live from London with the latest 
on more than both of these stories. And right now, Jeff, this new strain getting a lot of attention by the news, by the markets. What do we know about it? What do we not know about it? Yeah, very good morning, Brian. Well, effectively, the UK has been cut off now from continental Europe for 48 hours at least. The French border is closed, so there will be no movement between Dover and Calais. And lots of countries have said that they will no longer take flights from the UK. And this ultimately because a panel of scientific advisers on Friday told the Prime Minister there was this new virulent strain and it is passing very quickly around the southeast of England. And up to that point, the Prime Minister had said we will have as normal a Christmas as we can achieve. But the handbrake went on on Saturday. We had a record spike in infections on a single, single daily rate, over 35,000. And the Prime Minister said, that's it. We cannot afford to take the risk of this virus spreading more aggressively. So that's when the plans were changed and we went into so-called Tier 4, which introduces a lot of new restrictions on the movement of people. Basically, they shouldn't leave their homes at all. What we know about the virus is fairly limited. I think you've talked about it already, said to be 70% more uh, contagious, but not necessarily more lethal. And the immunologists that we've spoken to have all said they think that the current vaccines will kill it, but more scientific endeavour and study required at this stage. So that's where we are on COVID. Of course, the UK doesn't need this twin issue of Brexit negotiations going nowhere at this point, given what is going on with the lockdowns. But it seems we're not making a great deal of progress on the two key issues, one of fishing rights and the other about state aid for companies. So we had a trading, if you like, of accusations over the weekend with both the UK telling the EU it needs to do more, the EU turning around through Michel Barnier, the chief negotiator, saying, no, you need to give ground on some of these key issues. But as we both know, the window here is closing with only 10 days to the end of the year. And effectively, parliaments in Europe and in the UK will need some time to ratify an agreement. So not a lot of hope at this moment that we will get a breakthrough. Having said all of that, as I speak to you, mm -hmm. the Prime Minister is holding one of his uh, COBRA meetings. This is a gathering of scientific advisers, security officials and other ministers. And we're waiting to see whether there'll be any further announcements about how they're going to manage COVID at this point or indeed whether there'll be any news on any new initiatives around the Brexit negotiations. Back to you. Yeah, there's a lot of questions out there. I mean, a num you know, first off, will the vaccines that exist, the ones that are coming, will they work? A virologist I spoke to last night said there's early belief that the, the vaccines should, again, should, I'm going to hedge it, should work on this. Also, whether people like your, by the way, prime minister who have had it and recovered, and there are millions in the U.S. and around the world, whether they're going to have shorter or long-term immunity from this new strain or be susceptible. Jeff, how long is this hard lockdown, if you will, going to stay in place? Do you have any idea? Well, and that's the other thing that I think people here are very concerned about. We had the health secretary here 
who was speaking over the weekend, and he seemed to suggest that the more rigorous lockdowns will continue until the vaccination programme here in the UK really gathers momentum. So he has suggested possibly April or even May, which of course has gone down very badly because uh, businesses, uh, individuals going about their daily life, companies that are trying to keep offices open, all of them very dramatically affected by these new harder lockdown restrictions. So at the moment, as you point out, we need to see a lot more of these questions answered before we can understand how quickly this more onerous lockdown and the restrictions that have been put in place can be lifted. But for the time being, we are not getting any positive messages from the UK government, Brian, unfortunately. And just one other issue, no. you know, as these continental European countries lock down travel from the UK, it is worth pointing out that they still have not approved a vaccine for use. The European Medical Agency is meant to be meeting today, perhaps to give its sign-off on the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, but it has still not been approved for use in continental Europe. So even as vaccine programs have started in the UK, the US, Singapore and many other countries in continental Europe, they still not have not given off uh, their sign-off, which is perhaps why they're so sensitive about travel yeah. from the UK right now. Back to you. Yes, yeah, certainly a lot of questions and not the news that we need or want heading into the Christmas holiday and the new year. 2020 can't go away fast enough. Jeff Cutmore, <laughs> thank you very much. Appreciate it, Jeff. Best to you. All right, still on deck on this busy Monday. You've heard some of the more dire predictions. New York City, there's a live look, is over for years, if not forever. But not so fast. We have some surprising new data on people moving into the Big Apple. It's your morning RBI, and it'll get you to take a second look. And it's up right after. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. All right, welcome back in. Good morning. There is a check on futures. We'll hit the VIX in a moment. Dow futures off 425. You just heard Jeff Cutmore talking about it. There's this new coronavirus strain in the UK. It is more transmissible. Luckily, right now, it's not believed to be more dangerous. The vaccines hopefully should work on it, but it is more infectious. It's got the UK in a hard lockdown. Travel stocks are being slammed as well. And Dow futures off 430. And by the way, this has got the market spooked. Remember, everybody's been really on one side of that boat 
And now you've got this popping up. And so that is popping the, the, the volatility markets. We are seeing the volatility index, the VIX, if you will, the so-called fear gauge. It is up 32% right now, still at 28, it's not at 50, but it is a 32% pop for the VIX. Volatility, nervousness is popping up on this Monday morning. It is time now for your morning RBI. And today, let's focus on the New York area in the time of COVID because you've no doubt heard a lot about everybody fleeing the city and the surrounding areas, right? They're moving to the burbs where there is more safe or space, there is more safety as well. Well, a new report says that is only kind of true. Unicast tracked cell phone locations and found that, yes, about 3.57 million people did leave the New York, Newark, New Jersey metro area since the beginning of the year. But here's what's totally new and random and hopefully interesting. According to Unicast, about 3.5 million others actually moved into the area. That's right. So while there was a net out-migration, it was only, according to their cell phone tracking data, about 70,000 people. Now, one caveat, the firm did find that those who moved out had a much higher median income than those who moved in, and that likely cost the New York region about $34 billion in overall lost income this year. It's not ideal, let's be honest. New York City has a long, long way to go and likely a many-year struggle ahead. But still, this report overall a pretty decent sign. And maybe, just maybe, also a sign the Big Apple might be a little more affordable to non-hedge fund billionaires in the future. Random, but hopeful, I guess. All right, coming up here, Congress agreeing to a $900 billion COVID relief deal. We get a live report from D.C. on what made it into the bill, what was left out. Dow futures falling fast, now down 500 points. We are back right after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Some breaking news right now. The markets are indicated opening down big right now on concerns about a new, more transmissible coronavirus strain that is hitting the UK, and they have imposed a hard lockdown there. Dow futures, they are off more than 490 points right now, nearly 500 points, more than 1% right now. NASDAQ futures off also about 1%. We are seeing big moves as well in volatility. The VIX index is up 32% at the moment. It is under 30 still, but it is on the rise. And many of the travel stocks here, just as we are getting some vaccine and reopening optimism, the travel stocks, let's bring them back up if we can, they are all being hit hard. As you can see, the early trade right now, American Airlines, United Airlines, Delta down 8% as well. The cruise lines, Carnival Cruises down more than 10% at the moment. And Marriott and some of the other hotel chains, they are down more than 2%. Look at the cruise lines. Norwegian off 10.5%. Royal Caribbean, 7.5% of the hotel stocks. They are down 2 3 and 4% as well. Again, this is all right now pre-market moves. Not a lot of volume, so take that with a grain of salt. But still, the prices are down. Concerns that maybe if this new strain were to pop up in the United States, and it's kind of hard to see how it would not, given that people move around. And as I've reported personally, some of the airlines that I have flown on recently have been absolutely mobbed along with the airports. We are seeing concerns about new travel and reopenings. Again, markets down nearly 500. The travel stocks are being hit very, very hard. We're going to get more down the markets and your money in just a few minutes, but to the story that the market had been focused on, and maybe it still should be, as Congress agreeing to a $900 billion COVID relief bill, what is in it, what is not, 
And what are some still fighting about? Alon Moy joining us now with a look at what the deal is, and I guess, Alon, what it still isn't. Welcome. Well, Brian, it only took Congress nine months to agree on this new COVID relief package. Both sides are saying it is not perfect, but at least some help will be on the way for the holidays. Now, we do not have the legislation, uh, the final legislation of this $900 billion bill just yet, but we do have a detailed summary of what's gonna be in it. And the major components do remain intact, and that is $600 stimulus checks for adults and for kids, a $300 a week boost in federal unemployment benefits that last for about 10 weeks. It also extends the expanded unemployment benefits that run out at the end of this week, but it does phase them out over time. Small businesses get $325 billion, including a second round of PPP. There's $15 billion for the airlines, another $15 billion for live entertainment venues and for movie theaters, and a billion dollars for Amtrak. At long last, we have the bipartisan breakthrough the country has needed. Now we need to promptly finalize text, avoid any last-minute obstacles, and cooperate to move this legislation through both chambers. Now, once that bill text is released, the House is expected to vote on both the COVID relief package and a $1.4 trillion comprehensive government funding bill because, of course, Brian, the new deadline to keep the lights on in Washington is now midnight tonight. Back to you. Elon, what are maybe some of the big headlines that headline items or line items, whatever you want to call them, that did not make it into the bill? Yeah, so state and local aid is one of the major components that is not going to be a part of this. We knew that was a major uh, trade-off for getting rid of liability protections that were supposed to be in this as well. Both sides dropped those priority demands. Uh, the other thing that we've seen some back and forth on, and one of the reasons why this bill uh, was held up over the weekend, is certain language around the Federal Reserve and what its emergency lending power should look like. There was an effort by Senator Pat Toomey, a Republican, to try to curtail the Fed's ability to restart the lending programs that were put in place under the CARES Act. There was some concern amongst Democrats, a lot of concern amongst Democrats, that that language was too broad, so they were able to reach a compromise there. So that's another uh, major thing. Thing that was in this as well. And then there was also some debate over the length of unemployment benefits. I mentioned that $300 a week boost in enhanced unemployment benefits. Originally, lawmakers wanted to see that extended through the spring, 16 weeks. Now that's only going to be for 10 weeks. So there are trade-offs here on both sides. But Democrats are saying that as soon as Joe Biden becomes president, they're going to be pushing again for yet another round of stimulus. But we'll see where that goes. Yeah, yeah, certainly there. And the, listen, you talk to small business owners, and it's, it's hard to say. It's sort of impolite, non-PC, if you will. But they'll tell you that the enhanced benefits, while needed by many people, have also hurt their ability to find workers as we try to reopen. Tough discussion. The bill, at least, was passed. Alon Moy, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, joining us now to talk more about this and everything else that's going on in the world and the economy is Lindsay Piegs, the chief economist at Stiefel, as well as John Stolfus. Chief Investment Strategist at Oppenheimer. John, I'm going to begin with you. You launched a new 4,300 target on the S&P 500, about, I guess, 16 or 18 percent higher from here. But now we've got this new strain of coronavirus in the U.K., hard lockdown, Dow futures off 500 points. Any way to model this new risk? Uh, Brian, we've, we've got to say that the most important thing is take it into context. Taking it in context, uh, we've been here before in a, in a worse manner. 
terms of not knowing what we had to combat it. In this case, we know we've got a lot of science, a lot of technology aiding that science. Uh, we can just imagine scientists have already been modeling uh, the, the morphed uh, 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 virus at this point. We'd also say our recollection is that this crossed the tape before the weekend uh, with Johnson uh, in the UK uh, increasing the, the the extent of the lockdown. So we're a little mm -hmm. bit surprised that the, the market is looking as, as stunned as it is by it. And we think it likely uh, will discount this through the day. Well, well, and I'll get to Lindsay in a second, John. Maybe it's because it is a holiday-shortened week. Friday's Christmas, half-day Thursday. Everybody's probably made a lot of money in almost every asset class this year. Maybe it's just that nervousness. Let's take a little money off the table. The VIX right now is up more than 30%. This idea, yep. if we don't know, and we've already made a bunch of money, why not put a little away well, it's and protect yourself a bit? Yep. It, it's an opportunity to take some money off the table, okay, in terms of uh, uh, without FOMO or a risk of uh, fear of missing out uh, in, in the middle of a bull market. But we've got to say, if we use March 23rd as a model, uh, March 23rd, after that, the, the market rallied 17% in the next three days. So you want to be careful trying to time going in and out of a bull market, which appears to be uh, uh, in progress. Yeah, you know, Lindsay, listen, I don't envy your job as well because you're trying to model this economy. You're plugging in the numbers. You're trying to figure out, OK, vaccines are coming out. Reopenings are happening here. Slowly, we're going to get there, kind of see the finish line. Now, of course, we've got this new strain. Who knows where it will go, how transmissible it might be, and if the vaccines work. It appears they do. It's an early read. How much does this throw the economic reopening story in the spring sort of up in the air, if at all, by the way? Oh, it certainly does. And I think it highlights the dichotomy in the economy that we're seeing at this point. On the one hand, we did see a strong recovery in the third quarter, which in some ways has carried forward into the fourth quarter. We saw strength in manufacturing, auto sales, and of course, some improvement in the labor market. On the other hand, we've seen a slowdown in the pace of hiring. We've seen consumers pull back. And you layer on now new concerns about this resurgence of the virus or a second strain of the virus. And that could compound the difficulties that we've seen on businesses to reopen, individuals to return to work. And so right now, when we're looking at what this means for growth, I do think there's enough strength in October, November to carry the fourth quarter. But when we look out to the first quarter of the new year, depending on the depth and duration of this second round resurgence and the subsequent policy measures put in place, it's going to be increasingly difficult for the U.S. economy to remain in positive territory, potentially falling back into negative, uh, negative growth profile as we look out to the start of the year. Yeah, the markets, and again, if we could throw it up, Lindsay, United, you might have heard us going into break. United Airlines down 10% right now. Carnival Cruise Lines, all the travel stocks are just being, you know, punched in the gut, if you will, again, because of this new thing. Uh, what more do we need? How, how do you kind of have to sit back and wait to see how this shakes out? What do you know? What do you not know? Well, I think this is just a reminder that this is a health crisis, not a market crisis, meaning there's no singular, there's no all-encompassing policy that we can deploy from the federal government or the Federal Reserve that will get the economy back to an upward trajectory on a sustained basis. It really comes down to a health solution, having a meaningful way 
of separating the healthy from the sick. And again, this is just a reminder that the virus itself is really going to dictate the path to recovery, which at this point seems to be much longer, much bumpier, and much uncertain than what we previously thought or what has been previously priced into the marketplace. Yeah, I mean, we said it almost a year ago, John, back in March of this year, that that health data is the only data that matters. It's the real new sort of economic data. I know you just rolled it out, but you're you're, you're keeping that $4,300 price target as well. You're still bullish for the coming year, even with this new COVID wrinkle thrown in. Absolutely. Uh, At at this point, Brian, uh, we think these setbacks, uh, bumps in the road uh, are not uncommon when you're dealing with something like this COVID-19 virus. So our expectations would be uh, that this this will be uh, not only discounted by the markets, but will be responded to by scientists who have sure proven themselves capable of producing a vaccine in around nine months, not in a year as many people thought, or two years as others thought, or even four years as some thought. So uh, we, we have, uh, we have uh, a good faith and, and consideration that uh, this, this is a bump in the road uh, and one to be recognized without a doubt, but it may be more of an opportunity yeah. to buy babies that get thrown out with the bathwater than to run from the market at this point. Yeah, yeah well, people right now at least are running on a macro level, not individual investors. They're not trading futures, at least I hope not, but Dow futures no. down nearly... <laughs> 500 right now. We'll see where it all goes. John Stolfus, Lindsay Piegza, thank you both very much. We'll see you in 2021. Take care. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about the other red hot asset class. Of course, that is crypto, Bitcoin bull. Mark Yusko on the recent run toward 25,000. And whether Elon Musk could really move, quote, large transactions like a company balance sheet from dollars to Bitcoin. He was tweeting about it over the weekend. We'll talk about it next.
All right, well, welcome back. Dow futures off 470 points right now, but let's move on and talk about a different and also red-hot asset class, and that is Bitcoin. It just keeps moving into really uncharted territory, pushing 22,000, 23,000, 24,000. Yesterday, it has pulled back some down about 1,300 right now, and the recent rally is drawing attention, of course, from everybody, including a gentleman named Elon Musk, who wants to get into the car and rocket business. He tweeted a meme yesterday that can't be shown on TV, it's not safe for work, NSFW, I think, about the allure of Bitcoin. But it caught the eye of one Michael Saylor. And if that name sounds familiar to you, longtime market participants, it should. Saylor is the longtime CEO of MicroStrategy and a Bitcoin bull. He replied to Musk, quote, if you want to do your shareholders a $100 billion favor, convert the Tesla balance sheet from dollars to Bitcoin. Other firms in the S&P 500 would follow your lead and in time, it would grow to become a $1 trillion favor. Musk then asked if such large transactions are even possible. Saylor assured him they are, saying he'd bought over a billion in Bitcoin recently. Let's talk more now about this with Mark Yusko, CEO and CIO of Morgan Creek Capital Management. Mark, just a, another day on Twitter, a couple billionaires talking about putting billions of dollars into cryptocurrencies and I'm going to hate myself for calling them. I've said they're not currencies. They don't act like any currency I've ever seen. But now you've got people talking about making balance sheets with them. What's your take on all this? And, you know, look, a billion here, a billion there. Pretty soon we're, we're talking real money. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, it, the biggest currency we've ever had in history is gold, right? I mean, it's, it's been a currency for 5,000 years. It's been a perfect store of value. And Bitcoin is, is really digital gold. It's a digital version of a perfect store of value. And what Michael Saylor figured out is that every, time, every moment he left his corporate assets sitting in fiat currency, they were being destroyed by actions like we saw over the weekend, where governments decide because of profligate spending that they're just going to print money out of thin air and devalue the currency. So he transferred, as you said, over a billion dollars into Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, I think others will follow. And, and I think the conversation between he and Mr. Musk is, is quite interesting and compelling. The, you know, it's not going to get attention on a day like today with futures doing what they're doing and worries about this new COVID strain, Mark. But Iraq over the weekend devalued its currency, the dinar, by 20 percent, largest single devaluation ever. I bring that up only because oil's a massive global market. And there's been some talk, you know, are nations like Iraq and maybe Venezuela, are they buying Bitcoin as well? Because if the, and that's where Bitcoin, I think, is the perfect hedge in many ways. If, yeah. if a nation and a people can't trust their currency, then why should anybody else? Yeah, look, we're in a we're in a race to the bottom globally with currencies. And, it, and it's been that way for a while. And uh, when you get massively indebted, as many countries around the world are, uh, you have four choices. You can pay the debt back. That's just not going to happen. You can restructure it, but who's going to take the deal? Uh, you can default on it, but then the people in power uh, lose power, so they don't like that one. Or you can deflate it away by devaluing your currency. So that's happening everywhere. It's happening in Germany. It's happening in uh, Europe. It's happening in, in Japan. And now it's happening in the United States. And you know, countries like you mentioned, Venezuela, uh, Iraq, uh, Zimbabwe, uh, that's normal. Right? We, we're used to it, but we're not used to what's happening in the developed world where the currencies really are being devalued before our eyes. And, you know, it's interesting, the, the market, you know, before today, the, the stock market, you know, looked like it was doing pretty well, was making new all-time highs. 
But that's only if you denominate it in dollars. Over the last three years, if you denominate in gold, right, real money, you're actually down around 25%. If you denominate in Bitcoin, you're down even more because people are realizing that their dollars are being mm -hmm. uh, destroyed by profligate spending. Here's my beef, I guess, if you will, with Bitcoin, is that we know that there will only ever be 21 million of them. I think it's 18 and a half million have already been mined, so there's a few more million yeah. to go. It could take years or decades, but we know the fixed amount. And I kind of jokingly put out on Twitter, Mark, and Matt, you know, Tesla has 950 million shares outstanding. What if it only had 18 million? Do you worry that because Bitcoin is small from a sort of, quote, share basis, you know what I'm going with here, yeah. that it can be manipulated, it can be, it can be bullied, it can be pushed around? Uh, look, there's, there's no question, Brian, that, that you're exactly right. In the short run, there is a risk, you know, with any highly concentrated asset, whether it's Tesla shares, which are majority held by Mr. Musk, in fact, uh, those shares can be pushed around. And what, happening, what is happening to Bitcoin is it's becoming more broadly held. And every time there's a conversation by someone like Michael Saylor and, and Elon Musk and other corporate executives see, hey, wait a second, I need to do this, that ownership will get broader and broader. And the beautiful thing about Bitcoin, mm -hmm. it, can, it can be um, denominated in down to eight decimal points, right? It can be divided down to eight decimal points, down to a Satoshi. So it's the total market cap of the cryptocurrency itself that really matters. So we're at 425 billion today. I think we'll be at a trillion sometime next year. I think we'll be at gold equivalents, which would be around 8 trillion of total market cap sometime over the next decade. And that means a price of around 400 to $500,000 per Bitcoin. Dad, can I have three Satoshi to go get a little ice cream? We might exactly. hear that at some point in the future as well. Mark Yusko, a good discussion there on a busy morning with just a couple billionaires talking about moving balance sheets to cryptos. Mark, best to you and yours, of course. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We'll see you on the other side. If there Merry is Christmas, Brian. Thanks point. a lot. Mark. <laughs> Mark, thanks very much. What is it, 15 days left, whatever in the okay. On deck. The CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health, Robert Garrett, he runs the largest healthcare network in New Jersey. We'll talk to him about what he is seeing in his hospitals, the vaccine effort, and of course, this new COVID strain, what he knows, what's happening in the UK. Dow futures off 500. We're back right after this. All right, it was kind of a good news, bad news type of weekend on the COVID front. Number one, the good news is that yesterday in Olive Branch, Mississippi, that is the Moderna vaccine. Unlike the Pfizer vaccine, does not need to be kept at negative 80 degrees Celsius. A little bit easier to move around. Still needs to be cold, but just normal refrigerated temperatures. You can see that is moving out and will go to distribution warehouses and hospitals today and all this week. That is the good news. The bad news is that the UK revealing that this new strain that they have found a coronavirus Maybe more transmissible, maybe not more deadly, certainly, but more transmissible as well. And they went back on a hard lockdown. Joining us now is Robert Garrett, CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health. That is the largest healthcare network in New Jersey. He's been doing great work, all the frontline workers there from really February and March on. They deserve about a year's vacation each, but we need them right now. Robert, it's good to see you again. Uh, before we get into the more positive news, what have you and your team heard, if anything, about this new UK strain? Well, good morning, uh, Brian, and thank you for, uh, for having me back. Uh, yeah, that was uh, certainly big news over, uh, over the weekend. 
just pretty much what you you summed up, I think, is are, are the facts that we know right now, and that is that it is certainly much more of a contagious uh, mutation, uh, and that's why you know Great Britain went into some significant lockdowns. But there's no evidence yet, uh, from what I'm hearing from our clinicians, from our scientists, uh, there's no evidence yet that um, it's more it's more deadly or uh, or a more severe strain or more importantly, also uh, that it, it is not resistant to the uh, to the vaccines. There's no evidence of that at this point. So more study has to be done. But uh, right now, the indications are that the vaccine uh, rollout, which has happened, you know, across the globe and certainly here in the U.S., hopefully will still be effective against this new strain. Yeah, that is great news. You know, and actually, by the way, I spoke with a Ph.D. virologist at Johns Hopkins yesterday. He said the early word is they do not also believe it is more dangerous, just more transmissible, and that the vaccines are likely, his word, likely to work, although more studies need to be done. Let us hope that is the case. So, Robert, speaking of vaccines, we were with him on the road last week. We showed the Moderna vaccines being rolled out. How much, how many doses have you received at your hospitals? Are you still waiting on more? And where are you in vaccinating and inoculating your frontline staff? So, Brian, you know, it's, it is uh, truly exciting to be part of this historical a- effort to vaccinate the, uh, the American people. We started last uh, Tuesday. We have uh, now vaccinated uh, 2,000 of our team members and our uh, physicians. That's with the uh, Pfizer vaccine. We are expecting uh, to get a significant uh, number of doses uh, from Moderna. That should be in in the next couple of days, so we'll start using uh, that vaccine as uh, as well. Our goal is to uh, vaccinate uh, any frontline uh, team member, anybody who works at the health uh, healthcare system within the first uh, four weeks, and we think we're 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 going to get most of those uh, team members, those physicians, vaccinated. You know when. When uh, polling started a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, I should say, on, uh, on attitudes toward the vaccine, there was uh, some resistance, uh, um, particularly among some healthcare workers. But uh, we're seeing the numbers uh, significantly go up as the news continues to be positive about the Pfizer vaccine, the effectiveness, the safety, the Moderna vaccine now as well. Uh, we're seeing a significant number of our team members and our physicians willing to take the vaccine. So the next three, four weeks are going to be critical, but hopefully the supply of uh, Pfizer and uh, Moderna vaccine hold up so that we can meet that goal of vaccinating anybody who wants a vaccine that works mm-hmm. at our healthcare system, particularly those on the front lines within three to four weeks. Yeah, and that's, that is a crucial part of the story. And, and listen, uh, Robert, I'm on the, this COVID New Jersey app. I check in every day. How are you feeling? And it gives pretty good. I urge everyone to do the same. It kind of gives some great stats on hospitalizations and, and cases and everything like this. I don't mean great. I mean, it's like it's well done app. Uh, it looks like when I look at it every day that hospitalizations, thankfully, appear to have sort of flattened the last week or two at about 3,500 in the state of New Jersey after spiking for, for a couple of weeks. What is your hospital and ICU capacity looking like right now, Robert? So you're, you're exactly right, Brian. Uh, there, uh, there seems to be some flattening, if you will, of, uh, of the spike that was occurring, you know, especially after, uh, after Thanksgiving. So we're, we're treating uh, just under 900 COVID patients through 17 hospitals in our 13 uh, nursing homes. That's about the same number as it was about eight or nine days ago. So you know, we've, we've seen some days that have gone up, some days that have gone down. In terms of capacity, uh, we still have capacity, both uh, ICU capacity, medical surgical capacity, 
our emergency departments are a little bit more uh, stable than maybe they were. I think our biggest challenge still, Brian, is uh, is staffing. Although um, you know we're we're seeing some team members who were out of work come back to uh, to work, but that's still a little bit of a challenge because we're still seeing some surges around the country. So unlike the first surge, where we were able to uh, redeploy staff or or obtain yeah. staff from parts of the country, we don't have that um, that opportunity this time. But all in all, I would describe the situation right now as stable, but I don't think people should let their guard down, um, even though there's good news on the vaccine front, even though there's been a little bit of stabilization in the, uh, in the numbers. We still have Christmas coming up this week. There'll be family gatherings. It's important that people remember to really stay vigilant, to, to mask up, to be sure that social distance and, and continue to, to practice good hand hygiene, et cetera. It's, it's so critical. We're at, we're at the final yeah. stretch here. We need, to, we need to continue to do those things. Great advice. Nearly almost 80% of all transmissions are coming from, from family gatherings indoors. Robert Garrett, best to you. Merry Christmas to you and your team. All the hard workers across the Meridian Healthcare System, we really appreciate it. Happy New Year, Robert. You guys deserve about a year off. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Thank Merry Christmas. Happy all right, New folks, Year. folks, as we go to... Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Well, as we go to break here, let's leave you at the futures. Dow futures are down 700 and 50 points right now. The travel stocks off 9, 10, and 11%. This new UK strain spooking the markets and investors. Bitcoin down 1,500. Dow futures down 760. I will see you tomorrow. Squawk and the gang picking up this developing story and breaking coverage next. All right, it was kind of a good news, bad news type of weekend on the COVID front. Number one, the good news is that yesterday in Olive Branch, Mississippi, that is the Moderna vaccine. Unlike the Pfizer vaccine, does not need to be kept at negative 80 degrees Celsius. A little bit easier to move around. Still needs to be cold, but just normal refrigerated temperatures. You can see that is moving out and will go to distribution warehouses and hospitals today and all this week. That is the good news. The bad news is that the UK revealing that this new strain that they have found a coronavirus Maybe more transmissible, maybe not more deadly, certainly, but more transmissible as well. And they went back on a hard lockdown. Joining us now is Robert Garrett, CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health. That is the largest healthcare network in New Jersey. He's been doing great work. All the frontline workers there from really February and March on, they deserve about a year's vacation each, but we need them right now. Robert, it's good to see you again. Uh, before we get into the more positive news, what have you and your team heard, if anything, about this new UK strain? Well, good morning, uh, Brian, and thank you for, uh, for having me back. Uh, yeah, that was uh, certainly big news over, uh, over the weekend. Just pretty much what you, you summed up, I think, is, are, are the facts that we know right now, and that is that it is certainly much more of a contagious uh, mutation, uh, and that's why you know, Great Britain went into some significant lockdowns. But there's no evidence yet uh, from what I'm hearing from our clinicians, from our scientists, uh, there's no evidence yet that um, it's, more, it's more deadly or, uh, or a more severe strain, or more importantly also uh, that it, it is not resistant to the, uh, to the vaccines. There's no evidence of that at this point. So more study has to be done, but uh, right now the indications are that the vaccine uh, rollout, which has happened you know, across the globe and certainly here in the U.S., hopefully will still be effective against this new strain. Yeah, that is great news. You know, and actually, by the way, I spoke with a PhD virologist at Johns Hopkins yesterday. He said the early word is they do not also believe it is more dangerous, just more transmissible, and that the vaccines are likely, his word, likely to work, although more studies need to be done. Let us hope 
that is the case. So, Robert, speaking of vaccines, we were with him on the road last week. We showed the Moderna vaccines being rolled out. How much, how many doses have you received at your hospitals? Are you still waiting on more? And where are you in vaccinating and inoculating your frontline staff? So, Brian, you know, it's, it is uh, truly exciting to be part of this historical a- effort to vaccinate the, uh, the American people. We started last uh, Tuesday. We have uh, now vaccinated uh, 2,000 of our team members and our uh, physicians. That's with the uh, Pfizer vaccine. We are expecting uh, to get a significant uh, number of doses uh, from Moderna that should be in in the next couple of days. So we'll start using uh, that vaccine as, uh, as well. Our goal is to uh, vaccinate uh, any frontline uh, team member, anybody who works at the health uh, care system within the first uh, four weeks. And we think we're, we're, we're going to get most of those uh, team members, those physicians vaccinated. You know, when, when uh, polling started a few weeks ago or a few months ago, I should say, on, uh, on attitudes toward the vaccine, there was uh, some resistance, uh, um, particularly among some healthcare workers. But uh, we're seeing the numbers uh, significantly go up as the news continues to be positive about the Pfizer vaccine, the effectiveness, the safety, the Moderna vaccine now as well. Uh, we're seeing a significant number of our team members and our physicians willing to take the vaccine. So the next three, four weeks are going to be critical, but hopefully the supply of uh, Pfizer and uh, Moderna vaccine hold up so that we can meet that goal of vaccinating anybody who wants a vaccine that works mm-hmm. at our healthcare system, particularly those on the front lines within three to four weeks. Yeah, and that's, that is a crucial part of the story. And, and listen, uh, Robert, I'm on the, this COVID New Jersey app. I check in every day. How are you feeling? And it gives pretty good. And I urge everyone to do the same. It kind of gives some great stats on hospitalizations and, and cases and everything like this. I don't mean great. I mean, it's like it's well done app. Uh, it looks like when I look at it every day that hospitalizations, thankfully, appear to have sort of flattened the last week or two at about 3,500 in the state of New Jersey after spiking for, for a couple of weeks, what is your hospital and ICU capacity looking like right now, Robert? So you're, you're exactly right, Brian. Uh, there, uh, there seems to be some flattening, if you will, of, uh, of the spike that was occurring, you know, especially after, uh, after Thanksgiving. So we're, we're treating uh, just under 900 COVID patients through 17 hospitals in our 13 uh, nursing homes. That's about the same number as it was about eight or nine days ago. So, you know, we've, we've seen some days that have gone up, some days that have gone down. In terms of capacity, uh, we still have capacity, both uh, ICU capacity, medical surgical capacity. Our emergency departments are a little bit more uh, stable than maybe they were. I think our biggest challenge still, Brian, is, uh, is staffing, although, um, you know, we're, we're seeing some team members who were out of work come back to, uh, to work. But that's still a little bit of a challenge because we're still seeing some surges around the country. So unlike the first surge, where we were able to uh, redeploy staff or, or obtain staff yeah. from parts of the country. We don't have that, um, that opportunity this time. But all in all, I would describe the situation right now as stable. But I don't think people should let their guard down, um, even though there's good news on the vaccine front, even though there's been a little bit of stabilization in the, uh, in the numbers. We still have Christmas coming up this week. There'll be family gatherings. It's important that people remember to really stay vigilant, to, to mask up, to be sure that social distance and, and continue to, to practice good hand hygiene, et cetera. It's, it's so critical. We're at, we're at the final yeah. stretch here. We need, to, we need to continue to do those things. 
great advice. Nearly almost 80% of all transmissions are coming from, from family gatherings indoors. Robert Garrett, best to you. Merry Christmas to you and your team. All the hard workers across the Meridian Healthcare System, we really appreciate it. Happy New Year, Robert. You guys deserve about a year off. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Merry Christmas. Happy right, New folks, Year. As we go to, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Well, as we go to break here, let's leave you at the futures. Dow futures are down 750 points right now. The travel stocks off 9, 10, and 11%. This new UK strain spooking the markets and investors. Bitcoin down 1,500. Dow Futures down 760. I will see you tomorrow. Squawk and the gang picking up this developing story and breaking coverage next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.